Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to a very special edition of Cryptique. I'm joined, as always, by a man who will make your nightmares your happy place. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is that related to my uh, Conan fetish that you apparently think I have? Uh, it has nothing to do with the Conan fetish that you've expressed several times already. Can we cut this out then? <laughs> No. <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, feeling good. I'm ready. I want to unplug from the government. I don't want to pay property taxes anymore. Me neither. How about you? <laughs> I don't want to pay any taxes. I didn't think you were going to disagree. I didn't think you were going to be like, no, I love paying property taxes. It, no, but you know what? I mean, if taxes were fair... I wouldn't mind paying them as much. Well, and you're and you're in Missouri, mm-hmm. where you pay taxes on your car every year. Yep. My brother didn't know that when he moved back to Missouri after like fifteen or twenty years living out of state. Like I think when he lived there before, he his car was probably technically in my parents' name, and I would bet they made the payments for him like made those tax payments for him so he probably didn't know about it or maybe just didn't remember gotcha yeah when i bought all of my cars you know as bad as illinois is you pay your taxes once and that's it well you also get free vanity plates so do we yeah vanity plates how how do i put it do you remember john panette he was a comedian he he passed away a couple years ago i do not god rest his soul he Okay, he he's a he was a big dude, and he was very funny, and he did uh, the Broadway version of Mamma Mia. <laughs> There's no way, and I think I have any I idea he, what you're talking about. <laughs> I think he played the same character that John Travolta played in the movie, and he said that part of what he had to do for the role was to shave his eyebrows off because the way they did the makeup, mm-hmm. and he said. Uh, when you are walking around in your daily life without eyebrows, everybody knows something is wrong, but they can't put their finger on what. And I feel that way about vanity plates. Something is wrong that made you do that, and I don't know what it is. Well, I could see it, you know, if you have like a Corvette and you want to, or, or like a, you know, a Jeep that's all jacked up or something like that, but. Almost every Illinois plate I see is a vanity plate, and it's like people feel this compulsion to have them. Send us your your bad Illinois vanity plates photos, guys, and we'll read them on air. Yeah. Those of you from Wisconsin who hate us uh, fibs, go ahead and go ahead and send your, your best plates. But anyway, we need to jump to it. You want to tell them what they need to know yeah share us with people you like share us with people who have similar interests to you share us with people who want to get to the bottom of what's really going on out there 
Uh, you can find us on social media. We are on TikTok at Cryptique underscore podcast. We're on YouTube at Cryptique Podcast. We'll potentially do more with that channel. I don't know if we figured out exactly the right strategy for it yet. You can find our merchandise at CryptiquePodcastStore.com. And you can always email us at CryptiquePodcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. So tonight we are talking with Brandon Joe Williams. He is a state national of California author and common law lawyer and founder of the Amnesty Coalition, a group that aims to address the, quote, slave state framework that is created by webs of legal contracts and documents like birth certificates, social security cards, and the U.S. citizen fraud system. After a successful career in sales and marketing, Brandon is now devoting his full-time work to research and experimentation in becoming a state national and writing his third book on martyrdom and escapism. He is also the author of Don't Be a Slave to Your Clients and Love is a Battery. Welcome, Brandon Joe Williams. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, just give us a, a background of like kind of your education, your uh career and then how you kind of got into what we're going to talk about tonight. Ooh, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, to keep it really short, I guess just, you know, flunked out of college twice and read a lot of books. <laughs> I don't know. I, I read a lot of books. I don't know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds or maybe even thousands of books and, uh, pretty much all self educated through everything. Um, not because I was anti whatever, it just, it just never worked for me. I was like, I pay all this money and I go there and it's so slow and dumb. And I was just like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Uh, it wasn't like a, I was never really like anti the system. Really. People think I am now even, and I'm even now I'm really not. Um, but I just always found that the system never really did a whole lot for me. Um, and then coming around to taking over a company that I had gotten for free, you know, way later in my life, you know, the the employment development department, which is like a payroll Nazi mafia thing we have out here in California. Uh, they were coming, they were coming at me hard for more money than we had, and it was going to tank the whole company. And I had a couple close friends who work in the company. I still do. And uh, it sort of pushed me over the edge to start looking at a lot of additional information that I wouldn't normally be willing to look at. And that's kind of, that was the catalyst that got me into looking at all this stuff. So I guess that's the super short version. <laughs> so you're located in California, right? Yeah. And I, I didn't want to... This comment probably won't make it into the show, but I didn't want to do a lot of research on you. I listened to uh, One Stupid Fuck that you were on. There was an interview with you where you were kind of getting into your topics, and I really liked it, so I didn't want to dig too far into it. I wanted to kind of enjoy this and take it in <laughs> and sort of be the yeah. ears of the, the audience for this one and kind of ask the questions as they come up. But I did see uh, the Amnesty Coalition. And yeah. I was, I, yeah. I didn't look into what that was. I was wondering if you could explain that quickly. So, um, yeah, it, it's based off of the definition of foreign government, which is from uh, Title 18 of the United States Code, subsection 11. 
And basically, to keep it really simple, we can get into it in more detail later in the show, I think after we introduce some things. But basically, if you're a piece uh, with the federal corporation known as the United States, you're, you're legally defined as a foreign government. You don't have to be, it, it literally says, I'll go ahead and read this. We can break it down more later. The term foreign government includes any government, faction, or body of insurgents within a country with which the United States is at peace, irrespective of recognition by the United States. And United States, the definition of that is the District of Columbia, or more specifically, an unknown area inside the District of Columbia, which is usually where I start on these podcasts. I usually start with the definition of United States. No, that's usually where I start. So I'll go ahead and just just start the start the the parade uh, the same way All I right, always do. All right, let her rip. Uh, awesome. The definition of United States that is where everything begins. Uh, that's where I be. That's where I started uh, in all this. So I, I start everybody else in the same two spots where I started. Uh, and the the big boy, the big daddy, is the definition of the term United States. And United States is defined in twenty eight USC. 3002. So I don't know if you guys want to follow along with me or whatnot. I'll go ahead and just read it on my end. But if you go to Google and just type in 28 space USC space 3002, hit enter and then pull up Cornell. Uh, USC stands for United States Code. It's a definition section inside the United States Code. And if you scroll down to definition or subsection 15, it says United States means and then there's three different sections i only cover the first one because the other two are pretty complicated and it's a little bit more advanced but the first definition is a federal corporation and the word federal is capitalized because it has a special definition one that i usually don't get into right away it's also a little bit more advanced but uh still regardless of having to have the exact definition on that we do have a definition here of United States, which is a federal corporation. And then if you open up another tab and you go to UCC, which stands for Uniform Commercial Code, space 9-307, the section of the Uniform Commercial Code called Location of Debtor. You scroll down to section H. It says Location of United States. And then it says below that, the United States is located in the District of Columbia. Interesting. Now, this is really important. Okay, so so what this does is this is this is irrefutable proof. Nothing to talk about. There's nothing. There's nothing to, there's nothing to talk about or debate or, or or go back and forth on a podcast about. United States is a corporation, and it is physically located in the District of Columbia. Now, we don't know where in the District of Columbia. We don't know. It, District of Columbia is 10 square miles. We don't know if it's a 453 cubic yard section on the on the west northern section of that 10 mile. We have no idea. There's no information anywhere that explains where inside the District of Columbia that this corporation is physically located. So we just keep it simple and just say that it's just the District of Columbia. It just makes it simpler because we don't actually know where inside the District of Columbia, United States is located. So it doesn't show up on Google Maps? No. <laughs> this is like <laughs> right. this is like information that 
no bank or government praise you'll ever find any of this information. <laughs> right. So when you look at tax forms and, and, and even banking forms and everything else, whenever they say United States, United States, or whenever they say U.S., U.S. person, money you made in the U.S., uh, U.S. citizen, uh, you know, are you a resident of United States? All of that, they're referring to the legal definition of United States, which is a federal corporation. The F is capitalized. We will clear that up later. In the, uh, we can clear it up right now. So, so, so the states, there's two versions of the states. There's state of California. The S is capitalized. Now, this is fucked up. This is super terrifying, okay? State of California, when the S is capitalized, like, for example, when you fill out uh, your voter registration forms, the S is capitalized. They're not referring, or, or all of it's capitalized. A lot of times you'll see state of California, the, all the letters are capitalized for the whole thing. That's, that's a dead giveaway. But even if the S is just capitalized, what they're referring to is they're referring to a, a private for-profit corporation called State of California. That corporation is a sub-corporation of the corporation called United States. State of California is physically located in the District of Columbia as well. So when the word federal is capitalized in uh, 28 U.S.C. 3002 subsection 15 definition A, what they're referring to in that particular uh, term is they're referring to corporate state to corporate state federal, not republic nation states, such as the actual nation state of California. So the 50 states of the union are all separate nations. That's why they define us, those of us who know this information and, and switch out our, our, our situation and clarify everything, they call us nationals, nationals. Mm -hmm. So nationals or nationals are essentially people who live inside one of the 50 separate nations of the United States of America, the non-corporate states. So the thing is, is that your voter registration, your driver's license, your passport, your banking information, all of it has to be corrected in order to correct the fact that you don't live in the District of Columbia. Right now on this call, I'm assuming I'm the only one that doesn't live in the District of Columbia on this call. And probably 99.9% .9 of everyone listening to this podcast doesn't realize it, but they're actually in law and to the eyes of the government, they are physically located inside the District of Columbia. Now, the District of Columbia is not part of America. It is a foreign corporate zone. It's, it, is, it does not fall within the Constitution. It does not fall within the Bill of Rights. It does not fall within anything. So the thing is, is that because you are telling the government without you having any idea that you're doing it, that you live in the District of Columbia, you don't have the right to bear arms. You don't have the right to travel. You don't have the right to do anything, which is why you have to get licenses to do anything. The definition of the word license means permission to do something that would otherwise be considered illegal or not allowed. You are not allowed to drive a car. You are not allowed to possess a gun. Thus, you need permits and licenses because you're not an American. 
as a U.S. citizen, which stands for United States, which means a foreign corporate zone located in the District of Columbia, if you are a U.S. citizen, you are not an American and you don't live in America and you signed the documentation under penalty of perjury. So if you go into a courtroom and you say, oh, I'm an American, blah, 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 well, then you're a perjurer. Are you an American or are you a perjurer? Those are those, are you are you are you in a, are you part of a for-profit foreign corporation and do you have no rights or are you a perjurer? <laughs> those are your two choices. Yeah. You don't have any other choices because you never cleaned up your contracts. Once you clean up your contracts, now you're an American. Your passport well, let's get on that. Yeah. Your passport becomes all the licenses and all the permits under the sun, moon, and stars. You could you could conceal carry a fucking machine gun when you get the right passport. Now, the thing is, is that you, you, once you get the correct passport, once you clean up your contracts, you move back to the 50 independent nations of America. Okay. So I, when you look in the, um, the United States, uh, uh, styles manual, I think it's the 2000 version. They actually have a section on nationality. And they list the nationalities for all of the separate 50 nations of America. So, for example, if it asked me citizenship or nationality on a form, I wouldn't put U.S. citizen. I would put Californian. And they actually tell you what what the word or phrase or term is for every single one of the 50 independent nation states in the U.S. Uh, styles manual. So, for example, a New Yorker or a New Hampshireite or a Texan or a Floridian or a Californian. This becomes your actual nationality now. And what that what that comes from is is 8 USC 1101 subsection 21. So if you type in 8 space USC space 1101 and you scroll down to subsection 21, this is the definition of the term national. It says here the term national means a person owing permanent allegiance to a state. And the word state is lowercase. When it's lowercase, that refers to the original 50 independent nations of America. All right. So you say a specialized passport. Yeah. Is that something... Do we we have to like disconnect from these contracts and stuff before we can actually get that, or is that something that we could just go out, you know, to the DMV or library or whatever and and get? So uh, the answer to that question is located in twenty two CFR fifty one point three. CFR stands for Code of Federal Regulations. Twenty two CFR fifty one point three is called Types of Passports. Inside uh, uh, 22 CFR 51.3, we have several different types of passports, okay? Uh, The one that everybody under the sun, moon, and stars has, pretty much, 99.9% of everyone in America, has what's called an official passport, right? Now, the official passport, Mm -hmm. uh, I can go ahead and read what an official passport is. And there's just four types of official passport. Number one is an officer or employee of the U.S. government traveling abroad to carry out official duties and family members of such persons. So the first one we have, uh, they define you as an officer or employee of the U.S. government, uh, which would make sense because a U.S. citizen is an officer or employee of the U.S. government. 
Number two, they say a U.S. government personal services contractor traveling abroad to carry out official duties on behalf of the U.S. government. So in the second one, they call you a contractor. Third type of uh, official passport is a non-personal services contractor traveling abroad to carry out duties in support of and pursuant to a contract with the U.S. government when the contractor is unable to carry out such duties using a regular or service passport. So contractor, they're calling you a contractor again. And then the fourth type, uh, this one is actually a hybrid of someone who's a national as well as a citizen. So this one is actually the highest level you can get of official passport but you are still tied into the system. Um, this one is an official or employee of a state, local, tribal, or territorial government traveling abroad to carry out official duties in support of the U.S. government. So so that's the, that's the one that you get if you're still connected to, D- to D.C., but you are actually a national. That's actually one of the first, I believe that's the, that's the lowest level national passport you can get. And then the the best one you can get is just literally called a regular passport. And it's Section A. It's a different type of passport than an official passport. It's literally just called a regular passport. It says here, a regular passport is issued to a national of the United States. That's all it says. You are not uh, uh, on behalf of the U.S. government. You are not representing the U.S. government. You are not contracting with the U.S. government. You have absolutely nothing to do with the U.S. government at all whatsoever, and you are officially disconnected from the U.S. government entirely. When you get a regular passport, that regular passport, you get the card and the book. You carry the card around with you. That card becomes your hunting permit, your fishing permit, your gun license, your gun concealed carry permit, your driver's license. You can drive a plane. You can drive a boat. You could drive a a train. You can shoot a machine gun. You can carry an Uzi. You can carry dynamite sticks. You can do whatever you want. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, the passport becomes the skeleton key to complete freedom in this country. I can just walk in and say I want, say, a regular passport. Mm-hmm. That's good for traveling out of the country. It's good for, you know, in other nations, too. We'll find out after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Yeah, so it looks exactly the same as the U.S. citizen or official passports. You can't really tell. Almost, It's almost impossible to tell any difference. We've been trying to nail down like irrefutable evidence that proves the differences, and we've gotten some things, but I'm just not really super happy with any of it yet. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe a lot of it is, is, is uh, re- redacted. Uh, sections of the United States yeah. Code. I believe that they hide this of information course. on purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. So you cannot really, we, we have some information, but we don't have anything yet that's like, that's it, 100%, nail it down, uh, differences that you can tell in between the two, right? But we do have a process, and we do know for a fact that the process is producing regular passports. If you look at the, right above the signature area, on the DS-11 passport application form, it says there that if you need to um, clarify anything or explain anything, you can attach what they call an explanatory statement. So what we do is we have a very, very, very detailed 
like I the one I, I sent in was 15 pages and then I also sent in I think probably seven pages of additional auxiliary material as well uh, there's some people who are sending in signed copies of the Declaration of Independence. There's all sorts of things that people are attaching to the DS-11 passport application form. And then you combine that with a very special way that we fill out the form and a very special way that we're signing the form. And then you also include an original copy of your certificate of live birth, which is different than the normal birth certificate. It's a, it's a, it's a legal sized birth certificate that is actually a photocopy original of the actual original hand signed document that your parents did in the hospital when you were born. Obviously we're not telling people to go out and carry a machine gun around, but these are battles that are going to be fought in court because I mean, if you get, pulled over and you've got an Uzi sitting on your lap, I don't think that a, like a normal patrol officer is going to, you know, know because my dad was a police officer and he never mentioned anything about this, that, you know, I've got this, uh, passport though, you're still going to get arrested. It's just something that you're going to have to go to court to fight. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, but the thing is, is that, uh, it's, you know, it's not quite, no, it depends on what you're looking at and what you're thinking. Of course, if you have a machine gun and they can tell it's a machine gun or a very illegal looking weapon that is obviously hmm. highly illegal and they ask you for, you know, permits or whatever, and you don't have the permits that they think you need, like an FFL or whatever, they hmm. can arrest you. Yes. And then at that point you would you you could you, yes you could go to court you could do whatever i mean you know due process of law you're supposed to be in front of a judge or something like that so you would just sure. explain to the judge you know um what you are and how you are and you would make sure that you know the court has copies of the affidavits or whatnot of of your uh national status as per uh, 8 usc 1101 subsection 21 that kind of thing uh you, this this information is not very well known by any police force I've ever seen. It's not very well known by yeah. anybody, including accountants, lawyers, judges. Judges <laughs> do typically know about this information. Oh, I have okay. a report of a good friend of mine who was just in in, in court a few days ago, and um, he said a lot of things. He had probably over a hundred pages of documents and case law and and other court cases. And the judge didn't care about any of it. And as soon as he started talking about the national status and he brought up the affidavit, the court, uh, the judge yelled at him and said, do not talk about that in my courtroom. If it, if you put that documentation in the court case with the, with the recorder, it's in the, it's in the documentation and we will view it in the documentation. So, uh, my buddy was telling me, he's like, the, the judge was absolutely terrified of me bringing up the, uh, uh, eight USC one, one, zero one subsection 21 national status. And the reason why is because um, w when you're when you're filed as a national, the courts don't have any jurisdiction over you at all unless there's a victim. Okay. And the state can't be the victim. A lot of times you see this like, yes, you know, uh, Jim John Doe versus State of Montana. You can't have that when you're a national. It has to be another individual American that has to actually press charges, and it has to be criminal charges in order for the. Um, for the court to have jurisdiction over you as a national. And that's why several years ago, if there was a guy who did a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request to find out how many nationals there were. And then he did a Freedom of Information Act request to find out how many 
nationals were also bar card holders. And it was like 95% of all the nationals were bar card holders because it was all the lawyers, the crooked lawyers that were using this information to become almost untouchable in law. So they can do almost mm. anything they want without having to worry about being prosecuted. So this whole area was like a secret snake den just a handful of years ago. And now it's yeah. become the hottest thing since fucking anything. So it's just a, um, it's a very fascinating situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be amazing. And, you know, like I actually had a police officer one time tell me that I was disturbing his peace because my dog was barking. I'm like, what are you talking about? You can't, a police officer can't have his peace disturbed. And he wanted to argue with me about that. So uh, I feel like we're going to run into a lot of arguments with police, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, you got to go to court, you got to go to court, but this is something that's extremely important and worth the time and effort of even going to court if you have to am i right well yeah i mean it's like anything else think about this you're you're terrified you drive around terrified you're terrified of the irs you're terrified of police on a road you're terrified of all the shit as soon as you understand these definitions of these words and as soon as you just step up to the plate and swing the bat you're no longer terrified of anything because the thing is is that these police officers don't they don't know anything about any of this. They don't know the definition of United States. They don't know the definition of U.S. citizen. They don't even know the definition of the term motor vehicle. People don't realize that, and I, I have it pulled up right here in front of me because I wanted to bring this up. The definition of motor vehicle, literally from 18 U.S.C. subsection 31, A6, the definition of motor vehicle, you go to the Department of Motor Vehicles, right? The term motor vehicle means every description of carriage or other contrivance propelled or drawn by mechanical power and used for commercial purposes on the highways in the transportation of passengers, passengers and property, or property or cargo. That is the definition of motor vehicle. So what happens is when you when you get a vehicle from the the dealership let's say you buy a brand new vehicle i just bought a brand new motorcycle because i i started learning about all this shit and i said i want to actually own my motorcycle i don't want the state owning it mm -hmm. so i went through a whole process freaked everybody out but i went through it and i got what's called the manufacturer statement of origin which is actually the original birth certificate of the motorcycle now, what happens is if you want a certificate of title and you want to register that vehicle with the Department of Motor Vehicles, you have to send in the MSO to the DMV and then they, they, they give you a certificate of title in exchange for the MSO. Now, people don't realize this. That's what the dealership is doing. So let's say you buy a brand new, you could buy a brand new uh, Ferrari. You could spend $400,000 or 200 or 300, whatever it is. Right. What happens is that when when the when the when the when the salesperson sit in front of you and they go, "Would you like us to do title and registration for you for an additional two hundred and thirty dollars?" When you say yes, what happens in that moment is they take the MCO, the Manufacturer Certificate of Origin, or the MSO, two terms for basically the same exact thing, the birth certificate of the of the vehicle. They mail that vehicle into the Department of Motor Vehicles. Right now, what happens is you're you're actually gifting the vehicle to the state. The state of California uh, basically takes superior title, which is the MSO MCO, 
and then they issue you a certificate of title, which is a much lower level title in exchange for the MCO or the MSO. And what's happening is, is that the contract, people don't realize what the contract, the contract is, I would like to use this vehicle for commercial purposes on the highway. I would like to transport passengers and property or cargo in exchange for monetary compensation. I would like to operate in commerce. Can I please gift this vehicle to you so that I can operate in commerce and so that I can have the same protections that you would give me in commerce? And they say, yes, you may. All we need is the superior title to the vehicle. You say, no problem. Here is a superior title to the vehicle. May I have a certificate of title? They say, yes, here's your certificate of title. Now that we own the vehicle and we have superior title over the vehicle, now you need to go get a driver's license and you need to register your vehicle and pay registration fees every year. And you have to smog your vehicle because now you're involved in commerce with this vehicle and we have jurisdiction over commerce related activities. And that's what the contract actually is. When you do not register your vehicle and you do not get license plates for your vehicle, it is not a motor vehicle by definition. It's just whatever the fuck you want to call it. You can call it a motorcycle. You can call it a bicycle. You can call it a motorized two-wheeled vehicle. You can call it whatever you want. You just wouldn't call it a motor vehicle because motor vehicle is a technical commercial term. Now, once you get to that point, what people don't realize is that speed limit signs, carpool lanes, all that stuff, all that stuff and speeding and blowing stop signs, all these different infractions are all commercial infractions and the police only have jurisdiction over motor vehicles. They don't have jurisdiction over non-commerce, whatever you want to call it, motorcycle or vehicle or whatever, car, truck, whatever you want to call it. So the thing is, is what everyone's doing and not realizing what they're doing is they're gifting their vehicle to the state to convert the vehicle into a commercial vehicle, including motorcycles, everything. It's all the same, right? Now, the Department of Transportation, which is a se the senior organization over top of the Department of Motor Vehicles, the Department of Transportation is one of the 15 big boy departments of the entire government. The Department of Motor Vehicles is a little baby subsection inside of the Department of Transportation. People have heard of a DOT number. Now there's two different types of DOT numbers. There's a for hire DOT number. That's the one that you see on the side of all the commercial trucks. Right. And then there's a private motor carrier DOT number. The private motor carrier DOT number is completely free and does not require you to gift your vehicle to the state in order to operate in commerce. It, it's a little bit weird. It's still considered commercial, but basically the way that a private motor carrier is defined is defined as a commercial activity that is transporting goods that they own. So the thing about commercial, when you study what commercial really means, it means transporting someone else's property in exchange for compensation. Hmm. When you're transporting your own property, you're not really involved in a commercial activity as per the definitions. So a private motor carrier is basically how you can, you can get a, a, a number 
that you can put on a license plate that does not place you in commerce. At that point, okay. the vehicle is now a non-commercial vehicle. Once it becomes a non-commercial vehicle, you can use your passport to operate and drive or 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 to you know travel in the in this vehicle. Mm -hmm. And now at that point, you have the passport and then you have the private motor carrier and then you never you never donate the superior title of the vehicle to the state in exchange for a certificate of title. When you do this, now the police literally do not have any jurisdiction over you at all whatsoever. The problem is the police don't know this. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Let me jump in real quick. What about insurance? Because I want to obviously carry, you know, uh, car insurance. Are, are they going to cover someone that has this? Well, let me let me tell you this. It's pretty shocking. The reason why insurance is legally required is because the mm -hmm. state wants their property insured. Oh. Since they have superior title, whatever they say goes. If they say you need to do this sure. and you need to smog your vehicle and you need this and you need that and you need insurance and you need to jump up and down and wear a fucking pink tutu every time you drive it, you have to follow those rules. Well, yeah, but I want insurance. You can, all, you know you can buy mean? insurance. Like, I, the thing is it's just not, it's just not legally required anymore gotcha okay okay that's what it's I, only legally I required if the state owns the motor vehicle by definition if the state owns it it's by definition a motor vehicle so if the state owns it it's a motor vehicle if the state doesn't own it it's whatever you want to call it automobile motorcycle whatever gotcha now what about though if you are like, I mean, I, I carry clients in my car on the highway. So is that, I mean. So the way it works is when you when you look up the definitions of commerce operating in commerce, they actually have literal definitions for all of these things. And I can try to just peek around a little bit and see if I can find one rapidly. We'll find out after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Forty-nine CFR subsection three ninety point five T. We have all sorts of really wonderful. We have we have the definition of accident. We have the definition of alcohol concentration. Definition of bus. Definition of business district. It just goes on and on. Definition of coercion. This is all involving transportation, right? So here we go. Definition of commercial motor vehicle means any self-propelled or towed motor vehicle used on a highway in interstate commerce to transport passengers or property when the vehicle, and it goes into all these additional uh, things and conditions, has a gross vehicle mm -hmm. weight rating or gross combination weight rating or or gross vehicle weight or gross combination weight of 4,536 kilograms or more, whichever is greater. Blah, 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 blah. So, <laughs> but you see here, you see here how specific all this is. Yes. 
It's so crazy. Like even those of, the, those of us that are actually looking at this stuff, it's unbelievable how specific all of these definitions are. And you bring up these definitions. Like for example, my buddy was just in court. The cop, the cop was pulled him over and, and, you know, oh, you know, you think you know the law so well and this and that. He, he did a trial. He put the freaking cop on the stand and started asking him questions. Are you aware of this? Are you aware of this definition? Are you? And the cop literally was like completely destroyed. And he's like, I, I, he told the, he told the judge and he told my buddy, he's like, I had no idea about any of these definitions. So the thing is, is that. The police, you can actually sue the, the, the police officer in his private capacity. You can sue the, uh, the, the training facility that trained the police officer. I mean, you know, the, the, you, can, you can make a tremendous amount of money just getting pulled over and just being nice and just taking your ticket and then just start suing people. Because the thing is that these definitions are so clear and these definitions are so well publicized and they're so specific it's not you, you. You can prove that you were kidnapped. You can prove all these felonies with almost no effort whatsoever. Now, that doesn't mean you should be a fucking asshole. Because the thing is, is that it's human nature <laughs> when you're a fucking asshole to do something bad to you. Sure. So, so that's another reason why. Again, going back to your original question, why? Are, why do we have the Amnesty Coalition? Why are we chill? Why are we this? Because. When you're very, very calm, you know in the back of your head, you're about ready to get fucking rich. Like, I hope this guy beats the fuck out of me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm praying for it. Because the thing is, is that by the time I get in the courtroom, just like one third of 1% of the information that I've been exposed to with these definitions, I could win uh, without even trying, literally. Uh, it's so fucking easy. I mean, there's definitions for everything for hire motor carrier uh, means a person engaged in the transportations. Now, this is great. This is what I was looking for for hire motor carrier means a person engaged in the transportation of goods or passengers for compensation. So in order for it to be considered a commercial activity, let me just make sure because I could have sworn there was a definition for commercial activity even definition of highways on here definition of interstate commerce is on here definition of lease i mean it just goes on and on and on definition of mobile telephone definition of motor carrier uh, so a motor carrier means for hire motor carrier or private motor carrier. The term includes a motor carrier's agents, officers, and representatives, as well as employees responsible for hiring, supervising, training, assigning, or dispatching of drivers and employees. So, so right there, this ties everybody in. You could even take this definition of motor carrier and you can say, hey, all the people who are officers, representatives, agents, even the dispatch officer of the police officer that pulled me over and kidnapped me and stole my vehicle, you can sue all of them in their private capacity. So this gets this gets pretty ugly for the police really, really fast. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, but basically the, the bottom line is, let me see if I can private motor carrier... Uber drivers are out of luck. Yeah, Uber drivers, that's the worst position you can possibly be in because you can transport cargo. Like, for example, I have a landscaping company. 
All I did literally to exit the commercial world, it was so fucking easy. On the contract, all of my clients signed stating that during transport, absolutely anything that we are transporting is owned by us during transport. Boom. Gotcha. That's all you need to do. Now I'm no longer involved in commerce at all whatsoever. I don't even need a freaking driver's license. I don't need a commercial driver's license. I don't need nothing. I can use the private motor carrier number. I don't even have to follow the speed limit signs. I can drive in the carpool lane at 115 miles an hour, all I want. And we use a, a, a the private motor carrier DOT number. The private motor carrier DOT number is completely free. Uh, all you have to do is just make sure that you update your information every two years for free online. It takes about five minutes and you can continue to have an active private motor carrier DOT number for as long as you want. And as long as you are not actively transporting passengers or cargo that is owned by somebody else in exchange for monetary compensation for the actual transportation itself, you are not involved in commerce. You are not a for hire motor carrier and you can continue to operate as a private motor carrier and you do not have to smog your vehicles. You do not have to stop at way stations. You have to do shit and the police can't touch the vehicle at all. They can't open the vehicle. They can't do anything. Sounds like a dream come true. And it's all here. It's all here. It's all very, very clear. Commercial activity, you have to prove. And the other thing you got to think too is, let's say I get pulled over. Give me all the tickets you want, bro. I'm about ready to get fucking rich. But even beyond that, hey, pull me over. Look, officer, if you believe I'm involved in commerce, by all means, give me a bunch of tickets. They're not going to know what the hell that means. But the thing is, you at least say it. You just say it. You say, look, I'm not involved in commerce. But if you think I am, go ahead and give me all the tickets you want and we'll handle this in court. Because the thing is, is mm-hmm. that it, it's 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 the it's the job. The, the, the burden of evidence is on the prosecution. The police officer and the prosecutor have to prove that you were involved in commerce in that moment. Once you know these definitions, they have to have like literally like a fucking credit card transaction or a contract or an email or a voicemail or something that proves that the cargo that was located inside your car was being physically transported from one area to another was not owned by you during transport and you were getting monetary compensation during that transport for it to be classified as commercial activity. So it's like, it's, it's tremendously hard on the prosecution to prove that. So you just stand back, smile a shit eating grin and say, boys, you just got yourself in a whole world of shit. I'm going to let you go ahead and handle this. I'm going to keep my fucking mouth shut. They're fucked. So, do you know how any of this affects like things that you've done, you know, before you go through this kind of detox from the government affects 401ks or Medicare, Medicaid, anything like that? Because I I think that that would be a problem if people can't, you know, get their health insurance if they follow these steps. So anything involved, anything involving Social Security, when you become a national, you still retain that. If you're getting benefits from the government directly, it's you can still get non-Social Security benefits. I would say it almost becomes even easier to get them, but but it's you would have to have a fairly advanced amount of knowledge of all of this in order to have access to all that. If I wanted to, I could probably go out and get every single government assistance program that assistance program that's even available uh everything i could probably go out and get disability food stamps free phones everything under the sun moon and stars all legally 
without having to fudge any documentation at all whatsoever. Uh, but it's it's it would be quite advanced and and basically just to describe how and why that is. Uh, originally, I had said that there was two particular definitions, which is the most mm-hmm. most important definitions, the ones that I started with that blew my mind. We've covered one of them. We covered United States, right? Now, this would be a good time to cover the second one. The second one is the definition of the word person. All right. So the definition of the word person, and this is, um, you can find this definition all over the place. Uh, but where I'm going to read this particular one is from Title 26 of the U.S. Code, subsection 7701. Uh, Title 26 is the Internal Revenue Code. So this is the IRS's code. Uh, the definition of the word person, the term person shall be construed to mean and include an individual, a trust, estate, partnership, association, company, or corporation. Okay. Uh, that means that whenever they use the word person, they're also referring to companies, associations, partnerships, trusts, etc. Okay. Okay. So what happens is when you're born, originally, when they get your long-form birth certificate, they send that bad boy into the uh, Department of Health and Human Services, which is one of the big boy 15 departments of the government, and they create a corporation of your name in all capital letters. And if you look on your banking information, if you look on your online banking, if you look on your credit cards, if you look on all of your bills, all of your utility bills, all that kind of stuff, you'll see that your name is always in all capital letters. That all capital letter name is a corporation. That corporation is a person in law. So they say on the, on you, you're looking at a contract that says person, 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 person. Then it says uh, sign here, Brandon Joe Williams in all capital letters. Mm-hmm. You're signing that you are the corporation. There's ways that you can sign as the agent on behalf of the corporation. So I, the way I sign is different than everybody else. I sign by colon Williams comma Brandon hyphen Joe slash agent for F O R colon Brandon Joe Williams in all capital letters slash principal. And then I write above that. I write without prejudice, which comes from, UCC 1-308, which is reserving all of your human rights in any contractual obligation. So when you do it that way, you're saying, you're saying, uh, me, I'm the agent on behalf of the All Caps Corporation. I am not the All Caps Corporation, and I am reserving all of my human rights, and I'm saying that this is a commercial activity, and I have complete limited liability over all parts of this transaction. That's what you're saying when you sign a document that way. So you're you're basically giving yourself total immunity from the contract by signing it that way. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. So the, the way it works is all commercial activity, which you're learning through these definitions of, of, of driving and these definitions of commercial activity and private motor carrier, you're learning that this all has to do with commerce. Okay. So the all capital letter name is literally the corporation that operates in the corporate world and you are the agent on behalf of the principal. That's the terms that they use, right? So when you realize that and you realize that all companies give you uh, a limited liability in commerce, what happens is now you can operate in commerce as though you have your own little personal Starbucks. 
you you're, you're all capital letter name that's on all your documentation on all your credit cards on all your banking on all your everything that's not you and and that entity right. that person in law gives you limited liability to operate in commerce you can do whatever the fuck you want uh you're just the agent on behalf of the principal gotcha so it's no different than when someone sues Starbucks for something horrific and 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 all of the executives and everybody else, they don't get in any trouble because they have limited liability to the corporation. Everybody has a corporation. Everybody can operate with limited liability in commerce. So you get you get diplomatic immunity being a national, plus when you start operating as the agent on behalf of the principal, you get limited liability to operate in commerce through the all capital letter name corporation. So you, you you literally become untouchable on top of being untouchable. Well, I know Ryan is interested in never paying taxes again. How do we do oh, that? That's easy. That's the easiest thing you can do. Um, so, so we've already, we've already explained person. We've already explained national. We've already explained United States. So now we're going to go to 26 CFR 1.871-1. one classification and manner of taxing alien individuals is the name of the section okay so we've already described that united states is um uh the district of columbia we've already explained that the uh, united states citizen lives inside the district of columbia we've already explained that there's a national a national lives in one of the 50 nations called states right so the thing is is that uh this section is really, really simple. Title 26 is massive, but we only need to go over a couple sections to really totally understand it. It says here, for purposes of the income tax, alien individuals are divided generally into two classes, namely resident aliens and non-resident aliens, right? So when they say resident alien and non-resident alien, they're referring to United States, but they're referring to the legal definition of United States. So a resident alien is someone who lives in the District of Columbia. A non-resident alien is someone who lives outside of the District of Columbia. So once you once you clean up the fact that you're not a U.S. citizen, you're actually a national, you convert from a resident alien to a non-resident alien. Now it says here, resident alien individuals are, in general taxable the same as citizens of the United States. That is, a resident alien is taxable on income derived from all sources, including sources without the United States, meaning outside of the United States. So what that means is that if you're living in the District of Columbia, your your income is taxed on all the money you make, including all the money you make anywhere outside of the District of Columbia. Okay. Now it says here, non-resident alien individuals are taxable only on certain income from sources within the United States and on the income described in section 864C4, blah, 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 blah. That part is, is, it says sources without the United States, but when you go and look at those, it doesn't really make any sense. So I think that's just kind of like a weird smokescreen. I think really what they're saying is, is just... The first part, which is non-resident alien individuals are taxable only on certain income from sources within the United States. Okay. So now this part is really, really important. Okay. And this is something that I teach on my on my free course, right? It says here, however, 
non-resident alien individuals may elect to be treated as U.S. residents for purposes of determining their income tax liability. So the first time you filled out a W-9, which states under penalty of perjury that you're a U.S. citizen or U.S. person, meaning you live in the District of Columbia, that's what everybody fills out in the whole country right now. Right. What happened in that moment is this this is uh, uh, 26 CFR 1.871-1 subsection A. What they're saying here is that when you filled out that W-9 and sent it in, you elected to be treated as though you live in the District of Columbia for income tax liability purpose. You basically volunteered to pay taxes. Okay, yeah. that's how it works. That's why they say it's a voluntary system. The tax code does say the tax code is a voluntary system. Okay, so what happens is all you have to do is revoke that election. So you become a national, you do all that stuff, but you have to also inform the IRS that you're revoking the election that you made. Originally, when you first sent in that first W-9, you fucked up. You're revoking that election. Now, once you revoke that election and once you clean up your passport and everything else, now you're a non-resident alien and you only have a tax liability of income that you make from within the District of Columbia. (laughs) Now, there's a second part to this that's really interesting. Uh, it comes from that same definition section we had earlier, 26 U.S.C. 7701. Subsection 14 is the definition of the term taxpayer. Here's the definition. The term taxpayer means any person subject to any internal revenue tax. Now, when they send you IRS letters, it has your name in all capital letters. That's the corporation. That corporation was made by the District of Columbia and is located in the District of Columbia and always will be. It's a subcorporation of the Department of Health and Human Services. Okay. So when they write to you and they're writing to the person of your name in all capital letters, that person is a taxpayer as per 26 U.S.C. 7701 subsection 14 definition of taxpayer. You, as a totally different person, as a national, as per 8 U.S.C. 1101 subsection 21, you are not a taxpayer by definition. So you wouldn't say, I'm not paying taxes. You would just say, I am, by the IRS's own definitions, I am not classified as a taxpayer. So when they send you letters, have the all capital letter name, the corporation, the person on it, you would write back as the agent on behalf of the principal. One of the easiest ways that we've found to handle the IRS, it's so fucking effective and it's so simple. You literally just mail them back a letter and say that person doesn't live here and isn't, isn't, doesn't residence here and isn't found here. We have no idea who that person is. You just mail it back and they just take your shit off their fucking list. I'm not kidding. I mean, you should do a revocation of election. You should clean up all, all this stuff and you should do more than that. But if you want the, the dirtiest, simplest solution, that is, <laughs> that is the dirtiest, simplest solution to anything involving any of these organizations that are sending you any correspondence of the all caps name. You got to ask yourself, is the corporation the person Brandon Joe Williams in all capital letters. Is that corporation physically located inside 
of the residents of my home or my apartment? If the answer to that question is no, then there it's it. What if you got a letter and it said, and, and it was, it was marked for Starbucks. Would you, would you, would you, yeah. would you write back and try to argue with them about their tax liability and all? No, you wouldn't because the thing is it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with this corporation called Starbucks. It's the exact mm -hmm. same situation. Man, it takes a lot of balls to do that. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, it, it does because, you know, it's scary. Like you said, every, everybody, everybody is scared. Now, not that elections matter, but would someone be able to still vote in like a, a national election with uh, this status? So, so again, right now, the problem that everybody listening to this podcast, most likely everybody, including you guys, is that you and your all caps corporation are operating as one person in law. That is the problem. Okay. You are two persons and you're supposed to be operating the all cap. If you, if you flip the whole thing around and you get to a certain point when you're researching all this, where you start to look at it in a totally different light, mm -hmm. the government wanted you set up this entire system so that you could have a structure to operate in commerce that, that works. We have a workable system. They wanted to give you limited liability so that you can operate in commerce without having to worry about anything. You're just a free, free, free person and all this and all this. Someone came along and transformed this actually pretty cool, interesting system into something dark. Mm -hmm. And the reason how they did it is they basically redefined and made up some of these new terms and words to trick everyone into stating that they are a corporation. Corporations, especially all corporations are located in the District of Columbia. So corporations don't have human rights. They aren't in America. Uh, so you're basically just flushing all your rights and everything else down the toilet when you when you do this, right? But if you think about it, the system itself, uh, it's a very interesting system. Because, you know, recently the, the main research that I've been doing recently is in uh, money and banking, which is totally insane. It's a whole other massive rabbit hole, right? right. But the, the government wants to protect you internationally the government wants to you to have complete limited liability in commerce the government does not want you paying any taxes the government does uh wants to give you an entire corporate structure that you can use to operate in commerce with like a delineated rule structure and they want to pay all your bills and give you infinite credit when you actually understand all of this information you understand that what happened was is that these systems were put in place probably for 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 a good reason and then they were they were hijacked or 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 whatever or made to be way too complicated to where no one can understand it and then they also dumbed us all Absolutely. down with poor education and drugs and everything else so it's a combination of everything but when you when you get up to a certain level cuz i this is all i think about it's all i do for 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 like a year and a half now Mm -hmm. you realize that the system is actually pretty fascinating. We'll find out after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. 
Uh, you could literally just change like a small handful of of statues, uh, and and it would completely reprogram the entire matrix dramatically. Mm. Um, on my on my website, there's a dictionary that I made, and it's called a dictionary mm-hmm. novation. So what you're doing is is you're you're basically telling the government that all of these particular words now have new definitions that you're the one redefining those words and if they don't respond within 30 days those definitions activate in law it's called a novation novation means a change in a contract so every time you're on you're on facebook and it on facebook it says you know we have new terms and conditions if you continue to use this platform you agree to the new terms and conditions that's a novation okay Gotcha. So you can turn around and you can deliver novations yourself and you can change the contract with any commercial activity that you want as well. But the thing is, is that you're the agent on behalf of the principal. So you're working through the all caps corporation. You're sending a communication on behalf of the person, which is your name in all capital letters, the corporation, mm-hmm. to, to go and do a novation, which is to change the contract. Now, in my opinion, most powerful aspect of any contract that you can possibly change is the definitions. Yeah. So I found 50 or so key definitions, many of which have to do with the definition of the word person, for example, right? So just that one definition, if you redefine the definition of the word person, you you completely I don't care if if it was 50 of the world's greatest lawyers And they all got together and they conspired on some island in the middle of Bermuda to come after me. Okay, and they devised this massive, glorious contract. And they they were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna get on there." And I signed the contract, and I had no idea what I was doing. You know, they the people who were behind it spent millions and millions and millions of dollars to create this uh, this contract to fuck me over. Right? If you if you do a novation. And you redefine just one word, such as the definition of the word "person." It's all it all falls apart. <laughs> the whole thing falls apart. It's like you just flick your yeah. fingers, and and the whole thing falls apart. For example, uh, in my dictionary, which is called Cucumber's Law, which is a <laughs> kind of a play on on Black's Law, right? If you go down to my definition of the word "person," this 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 one definition blows the entire matrix apart into about a 500 million pieces. But there's many, many different definitions right here. So my definition, I redefine the definition of the word person. I redefine the definition human being, which has a weird definition in law. And I also redefined individual, which also has a really weird definition in law. And uh, the way I define it is a nothingness which produces a somethingness, the seat of creativity. This is not the brain nor the body, but is a potential consciousness that has no space, no wavelength, no mass, and no location. This essence contains the decisions and definitions associated with interaction, identity, ethics, morals, and integrity. And that is my definition of person. Nice. And and that that you that one definition when you send in an ovation and redefine that word, all the banks, all the government, everybody becomes your bitch just from that one word being redefined. You have to understand that this is pretty heavy stuff, and, and it's a lot to take in at at once. Um, so, 
say 25% of the country does this, what happens to the United States or, or the where we live, the country where we live? Well, originally, before 1871, the Organic Act of 1871, the 50 nation states had their own governments. A lot of them had their own uh, 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 currency. It's no different than the 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 Europe you know Europe. You go like on a little train ride, and now you're in a whole different world, speak a different language, have a different currency. That's how America was, you know. the The EU, the European Union, is basically the same exact playbook they used in America to homogenize everything. It's the same exact thing. The EU is exactly what America looked like in 1862, I guess. Just throw a number out there. Um, or maybe a little bit earlier than that. I don't know exactly. But but in the very earlier sections of our existence, uh, we looked kind of like the EU, right? Uh, or, or I should say Europe, not EU, because EU is fucked. So the thing is, is uh, uh, the future, what the future holds, and you're seeing a lot of it unfold as we speak, you're seeing a lot of states that are that are that are becoming very state centric. You're seeing a lot of states that are passing local state laws that are overriding mm-hmm. different things. Now, mm-hmm. You're going to see more and more and more and more of this because that's actually what non corporate law is. Non corporate law is state centric law, right? And the thing is, is that the the most powerful law enforcement agency is is the local sheriff's department of any county the only reason why the fbi and the cia and these guys come in and they actually intimidate the sheriff and the sheriff has to actually willingly give jurisdiction over to the cia or the fbi and they only get power through the approval of the sheriff i'm assuming they literally operate as agents of the sheriff's office no different than the bailiff in a courtroom is what gives power to the courtroom because the bailiff is an arm of the sheriff's office. The sheriff's office is where a lot of tremendous amount of... There's not a whole lot of original America left. There's very, very little. You're seeing a lot of it reborn right now, probably from a lot of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're seeing uh, common law courts that are starting to become available for, for different states. We haven't seen those in many, many decades, maybe even over 100 years. Uh, there's a lot of things that are that are changing and happening right now. But um, basically, the way the way it works is that the sheriff's office is basically like the portal. Uh, it, it's one of the few things that are left that has a lot of original America inside of it. The police is fully corporate. Okay, the the sheriff it, the sheriff's office is sort of like right on the cusp of both, and they can kind of lean over to one end, or they can lean over the other end. They operate literally in between the two worlds. Um, but in terms of pretty much anything else you're going to find, there's really nothing else that that really has much of the original American America in it. Um, state governments are not state governments. Like Gavin Newsom is not the governor of, of, of the nation of California. Gavin Newsom is the, is the governor of a private for-profit corporation called state of California, which is physically located in the state of, in the Washington DC. The problem is, is that everybody in California is also filed as though they live in the Washington DC because they're all filed as us citizens. So the thing is, is that it's, it's, it's a big joke because I'm like basically the only guy here living in California on paper in the legal world. All right. Well, do you have anything that you wanted to ask, Ryan? <laughs> You've been 
quiet. Ryan likes to look I, things up as yeah, we're I've, going I've, along. I've here. been taking a lot of notes and kind of reading along with these definitions. Um, and there are a lot of things that just legally are not as nefarious as what we're talking about right now, but just odd definitions, ways that governments can use technicalities to get you for something. Like I, I own a bar here in Illinois mm-hmm. and I had a, an agent from the liquor commission come in. They refer to them as special agents. Like that's what's actually on their card, which I think is kind of an odd term to use. But the guy, <laughs> one of the, one of the things he was looking for was like how certain signage was secured to the walls. And he was telling me that, you know, uh, if you have a beer sign or something like that, it has to be, if it's branded, it has to be hung up with like tape or something non-permanent. And I was like, well, what about this wooden one that I've got? You know, does that, I can't like hang that on a screw. And he said, a screw makes it a permanent fixture. And there's a law about it because if it's a permanent fixture, it could lead people to think that you have some permanent relationship with this brewery or whatever. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. We were talking back and forth. And he goes, listen, man. The state's going to find a way to get you for something. <laughs> he's like, there. He's like, there's a lot of this stuff left on there just so that there's something to, like, go after you for. I mean, there's all sorts of strange little technicalities. Like, uh, you can't be given anything by a distributor because, I mean, I'm sure there were legitimate reasons to be worried about that in the past. Like, you could be bribed. You could be, you know, have whatever kind of nefarious relationship with a supplier. But now it's to the point where you have to be super careful to give back anything that a distributor gives you. If you have some kind of promotional sign, you have to give it back. If somebody finds out that you've kept it or whatever, there can be fines for everybody involved. And it seems like a lot of it's just kind of a money racket. But the one thing that I've been wondering about while we've been talking about this, and you were right to you know, kind of steer us towards taxation, the thing that bothers me more than anything in the world about taxes and laws is the idea that people talk i mean the idea that people have of owning their home you know like i i own my own home it's mine nobody can take it away from me but that's not really true because if you stop paying the property tax that's not even remotely true by the way i mean if you even if you just stop paying the property taxes on it it gets taken away it doesn't matter if you live there for 50 years it doesn't matter if you paid half a million dollars for it it can be taken away if you stop paying your so let me five or ten so let me stop you right there because we've already we've already come up with a couple things i want to make sure i i hit every single thing and then we can yeah you can continue no 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 no. this is what i want one at a time one at a time would be great okay (laughs) it's okay it's okay i just want to make sure i got two i want to go now i want to do the two and then we can we can move on from there and you can hit me as hard as you want because i i look at this like a challenge i come on these shows looking to get challenge because I, I i need it you know you there th- this is not a, a an arena for for weaklings who don't know what the fuck they're talking about you know what i mean <laughs> so so first and foremost this is going to blow your mind so so sadly i i'm very sad to inform you you don't own a bar and i can prove that okay and you can go into google right now and you can type in 14 cfr subsection 47 dot two definition section okay i'm gonna read this to you the fall uh citizen of the united states or 
U.S. citizen means one of the following. So this is actually the definition of U.S. citizen or citizen of the United States. Number one, an individual who is a citizen of the United States or one of its possessions, which means someone who lives in the District of Columbia or Guam or Virgin Islands or Puerto Rico or one of the territories. Okay. Number two, a partnership, each of whose partners is an individual who is a citizen of the United States. So let me ask you a question. This supposed bar that you own, are you the <laughs> sole owner or do you have a partnership? Not a partnership, sole owner. So are you filed as a U.S. citizen? Yes. So I'm very sorry to inform you. Your bar is considered either a citizen of the United States or a U.S. citizen and is owned property of the federal corporation called United States, which is exactly how and why they can tell you whatever the fuck they want and you have to do it. Mm. Number three, a corporation or association organized under the laws of the United States. Now, this is interesting. Organized under the laws of the United States. So the way they look at it is you came to them and you said, hey, I want to operate in this commercial world that you guys have already built. I don't want to reinvent the wheel. Okay. And you say, I would like a corporation, a corporate entity. I would like you guys to issue me a corporate entity so I can operate in your commercial world and I can have limited liability and I can have all the benefits associated with all of your guys' codes and all this stuff. Now, what happens is when you do that, you're organizing your business under the laws of the United States. And it's considered a totally voluntary contractual agreement. That's the way it really works, right? So a corporation or association organized under the laws of the United States or a state, now the capital letter S, that means the corporation. Lowercase s, like you saw in 8 USC 1101 subsection 21 definition of national. Lowercase s, that means the actual nation states. Capital S means the corpor corporate states that are all physically located in the District of Columbia, okay? So let's start from the beginning again. A corporation or association organized under the laws of the United States or a state, the District of Columbia or a territory or possession of the United States of which the president and at least two thirds of the board of directors and other managing officers are citizens of the United States, comma, which is under the actual control of citizens of the United States, comma, and in which at least 75% of the voting interest is owned or controlled by persons that are citizens of the United States. So these, these three classifications means that, that actual, the actual corporation, which is a person in law, is officially classified as a citizen of the United States or a U.S. citizen. So the way that they look at it is this corporation of this guy whose name is in all capital letters, who's a U.S. citizen, who told us willingly and voluntarily that he is a U.S. citizen, he lives in our world, he's not an American, he has this sub-corporation underneath him called BAR, 
that bar is also a U.S. citizen that is physically located in the District of Columbia. Thus, we have jurisdiction to do with it whatever the flying fuck we want to do with it because it's not located in America. Your bar is not located in America. Do we lose you, Ryan? No, no, I'm here. I, I have no response. I'm reading I'm reading along with yeah. you, though. So if your bar was located in America, they wouldn't be able to do any of that shit to you. Man, that sounds like a mess to try and fix that. I mean, if it's... <laughs> So here, here's the here's two simple facts. I've gotten really good at explaining all this. Super easy, right? Two facts that you have to always, always, always think with, and this will clear everything up for you. Fact number one: the only thing the foreign corporation, the foreign federal corporation, can give you is a corporation. They can call it a trust. They can call it an association. They can call it a partnership. They could call it a, a, a Jesus Christ, our Lord, ecclesiastical, non-corporate trust. It's still a corporation. They can only give you corporations. That's, that's, that's the first thing you have to realize. The second thing is all corporations that the government gives you are always and will always be physically located only and exclusively inside the 10 mile square radius of the district of Columbia. You came to them and voluntarily requested or applied to be a part of that system. That is the contract. Now there's, there's a second option. This is how I set up my life. And a lot of the guys who are more advanced in what we're doing. Before you jump into that, is that something that he can fix? Oh, easily. Yeah, this is how, this is how you fix it. You get rid of all your corporations. Now, keep in mind, your name in all capital letters is also a corporation tied into all this. So you don't use that either. You create a private irrevocable trust. Now, the executor, which is the person who creates the trust or the grantor, it's two same to the same words. They're the ones who bring the trust into existence. You're not going to the fucking government and asking for anything. You're saying me, Brandon Joe Williams, not in fucking all capital letters, not in a corporate capacity, not having anything to do with the federal corporation. I am granting this trust into existence. And I'm granting this trust into existence on the land of the nation of California. This is non-corporate, has absolutely nothing to do with anything corporate anywhere. It is completely non-corporate, and actually it's pretty much religious in nature. Now that trust, you can get an EIN number for through the IRS. We get EINs for private irrevocable trusts all the time. Now, once you have the EIN number, you can do banking, you can do credit card processing, you can do everything under the sun, moon, and stars that you could do. And then when you go to the bank, there's actually two different types of bank accounts. No one knows this. There's U.S. person bank accounts, and there's non-U.S. person bank accounts. To get a U.S. person account, you use your Social Security number, because the Social Security number is just an EIN number of your corporation, of your name in all capital letters. You don't use that. You use your passport. 
You say, I'm looking for, I'm, I have a private irrevocable trust. I have an EIN number for it. And I'm looking to open it up. I'm a non-US person. Once you do that, the, the, the bank account exists as though it's not even in the United States. It's like an offshore account, but it's right here at home. Then you take all the assets of the bar and you put all the assets in the trust and then you just get it recorded at the county recorder. You just let, let everybody know. You, you go to the county recorder. It's like six bucks a page or whatever. And you just record the fact that all these assets are going into a private irrevocable trust. And the private irrevocable trust is, is, is run by a trustee who is, is not a U.S. citizen but is a national. Now, at that point, the government doesn't own it. They have nothing to do with it. They can't tax it. They can't touch it. They can't do jack shit. It doesn't even exist in their world. They can't even physically see it. You want to talk about asset protection. They can't even physically see that it even exists. It's, they don't even have the capacity to see something like that. Now, at that point, Mr. State guy coming around with signage problems or whatever, you give him a beer and you tell him to go fuck himself because he can't be there. Outside of his jurisdiction. It's completely outside of his jurisdiction. So would he not be held to have a liquor license either then? No, fuck no. Are you kidding me? You could, you could technically speaking, you could serve children liquor. I'm, I'm sorry to say it. I like to go like hard when it comes to the honesty on this shit because people need to realize <laughs> this is unmitigated freedom. I, this is like no fucking around bullshit. You could you could give a beer to a fucking ten year old, and there ain't shit nobody can do about it. Well, you shouldn't. Do I that, understand, Ryan. but I'm just saying. I, <laughs> no, I'm, I keep I'm just I keep either. shit fucking real, bro. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna mince mince things around. People get sometimes they get nervous. Oh well, you know. Oh, it's, you know, at a certain point where it becomes too much. I don't believe that. I believe that you know this whole this whole system has been weaponized. Because we all Absolutely. gave up our own ability to decide what's right and what's wrong. You know, you know, 200 years ago, a 14-year-old would have two wives and would command a standing army and probably be getting drunk all fucking night long. You know, it, it's, 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 we say it's so fucked up and it's so weird and we say all these things. And you look in the past, it's only weird within the confines of, of the perception of what we have now and the world we live in now. But really, truthfully, it's all bullshit. It's just all bullshit. It's just whatever. Like if the father feels like his son's ready to drive a motorcycle at 11 years old, like my father felt about me, then you start driving a fucking motorcycle because dad is basically the king. And that's the way the world really fucking works. Yeah. Now, now your rights end where someone else's rights begins. That's common law. Sure. That's the real shit. Sure. You get rid of all the corporation. If if the, if the District of Columbia was gone tomorrow, what would happen is is that you would be free to do absolutely anything you want, as long as you are not encroaching on mitigating, slowing down, or harming the freedoms of others. Yep, that's how it should be. That's God's law. <laughs> Let me ask you this: Have you ever been threatened? Like had you know had somebody? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you've experience some cancel culture but i actually haven't ever had a threat or anything oh really well i mean i mean what are you what are you gonna do how are you gonna cancel me i call myself one stupid fuck and i'm in a goddamn mankini for christ's sake what are you (laughs) you gonna do to me 
<laughs> That's why I did it. That's literally why I did it. My entire branding is an anti-cancel culture branding. You, you can't touch me. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, I've got something I want to ask you yes. that we ask a lot of our guests. Who is the Antichrist? The Antichrist? I guess probably all the people behind all this weaponizing all this bullshit. Your, you know, your your 12 families, your your G30, your your whatever, your your Rothschilds, Rockefellers, the fucking Hazarian bloodline, all that shit. Yeah. Um, actually, I was doing some research for a different uh, show, and it turns out that one of the Rockefellers was supposed to get on a train, decided not to, and the train went off the tracks and everybody died. It's interesting. So if you're ever trying to get on a plane with a Rockefeller or something like that, and they cancel at the last second, you might want to jump off that flight, too. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even know, you know, I don't know if they're all involved or just a few of them. But, the, you know, the thing is, is that it's 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 a, it, you know, a lot of it has to do with like Hollywood and stuff because you watch you watch all the shows and it's like, oh, U.S. citizen, U.S. citizen is so great. We're all we're just it's basically all programming because you go online you start looking at the definitions of these words and it's like, holy shit. <laughs> this is nothing like we were told from the movies and everything else, you know. I, I just think it's funny that, you know, a lot of the stories that we cover, it's kind of presented by the media that like, oh, these, you know, China and Russia and, you know, Iraq and stuff, they they do bad stuff. They, uh, you know, they're doing research on this and that. It's like, come on, man. You don't believe the United States is doing all that, too? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, Blows you can mind. just look at this system that we've covered in this podcast and you can see there's something very weird, nefarious going on. They are tricking everyone into stating that they are not an American. They've tricked 99.8%. 99.9% of the entire population of America and basically stating under penalty of perjury uh, without even having to threaten them in even the slightest way whatsoever that they aren't even just literally just signing away their Americanism, just signing it away. It's awful. I mean, really, I mean, uh, 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 legally and statistically, there's only a point. One percent of the population of of America of of Americans are actually live in America. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I had never. Have you ever heard that before, I, Ryan? About the no, uh, DC? No, I'd never heard any of this. I'd I'd heard some of like the what are they called? Like sovereign citizen kind of stuff. Where mm-hmm. it's, I I don't want to say it's the same thing we're talking about here, but it's a similar concept that there are these legal loopholes that kind of group you into some you know into a basket where the government has more control over you than they naturally should based on like the constitution and the founding documents and all that sort of thing but as far as the the location type stuff and being a citizen of the united states no that's this is new this is new and i have i've taken a ton of notes i have a notepad here next to me and i've been muted so you guys aren't hearing me scratching away at it but it's super interesting. I've been following along with a lot of these definitions as well. This is another one where we there's a I mean there's there's so much research to be done along with it. Do you have resources that you recommend? I assume your own resources. Well, I have my own course. Yeah, I have the course. contract killer course. 
uh, on my website. You can sign up for free. It's 39 days of videos. Each video is about 40 minutes long. I do a lot of these kind of shows. I do probably between one to three shows a week right now. I have my own publicist and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so you know, this is growing at, at a tremendously, tremendously fast rate. I, I am not the only person teaching this information, but people like the way I teach it because of two reasons. First off, I focus really, really heavily on all the definitions of all the terms, which is something that, I mean, obviously everyone teaching this information does to some degree, but I'm like a freak about it. (laughs) Um, If it takes me a month and I have to dig through 16 different dictionaries and clear up 400 definitions of a single word to actually totally understand it, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, a, a pig in shit for a month. I'm happy as hell. So, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. And then also the way that I do it. I do singing and I'm in a mankini and there's like, you know, girls and it's like craziness. It's just like totally fucking crazy. All my whole website's done in like in a very antagonistic, totally insane term terms. Like, like if you go on my website, I have like, uh, it's nothing like I am on these shows. Uh, like, like if you go to sign up for my free course, (laughs) one of the areas that, that I have, I think it's so funny. Like my privacy policy, for example, right? So, so my privacy policy is privacy is for little bitches. You don't care what I do with your email address. You and I both know that your email is packed with shit and you hardly care about it as it is. So no, I don't have a pathetic fucking privacy policy. My privacy policy is that you can rest assured knowing that my stiff cucumber is about to fuck your email box like a delicious glory hole. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So that's kind of that kind of gives you like the flavor of of my my branding, which is all super crazy. But people really like it and I I enjoy it. So so it's sort of like a a combination of very entertaining uh, and then also teaching at the same time. I mean, when I started doing all this, I was like, all right, we're in a fucked up world. Everyone's fucked. You know, it's hard to teach anybody anything for more than a few seconds. How am I going to do this? And then also I'm going to get canceled and destroyed from every direction. I was like, all right, how do I, how do I overcome this seemingly impossible thing I'm trying to do? And I was like, all right, if I combine total self-deprecating humor and I, I build the entire branding on self-deprecation, then I become canceled proof. I can't be canceled. It's physically impossible to the point where if someone were to do a press release on me, I would just take the press release and do paid ads and help them push it out because it would just help me. <laughs> Literally. That's the first thing. The second thing is I was like, I was like, this has to be wild and super, super crazy. And it has to have a lot of entertainment value. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Right. So my free mm-hmm. course is is me singing and telling stories. And, and it's, it's, it's wild hitting on the women that are watching it, inviting women to my house and send me nude <laughs> photos. It's just cra- totally crazy, right? Oh, watch out for these Crypt Keeper girls. Man. There you go. <laughs> now we're talking. So, so, so it's, it, it, you know, I, I developed all this thinking like this would be the way to do this. And then I was like, mm-hmm. fuck it. You know, I'm just going to launch all this and I have these theories and I think it's going to work out really well and it worked out great. So, so, so the entertainment value of it, I think is also really unique because you're not really going to find anything like this, uh, on the entertainment end of the spectrum that involves any of this information at all. It's all very like dry and, and actually, in fact, 
a lot of the people that are teaching it are so they're, they're, they're kind of hostile and angry about all of it. So it's like, you're kind of listening to somebody who's like angry or, 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 or something like that, you know? And for me, I'm just, I'm just not angry. I think it's, I think it's, I'm just having a fucking blast. I think a big ass like house party and I'm just like inviting people <laughs> come to the house party, man. We're having a blast. Like, and then they want to talk shit or whatever. Like nobody even cares. It's just like, all right, dude, like you don't want to be at this fucking amazing house party with all these beautiful women. Like you're lost, bro. Like it's literally that simple. That sounds like the life, man. How close are you to the beach? Pretty close, <laughs> pretty close. Like maybe, you know, it depends on if I'm driving a car or a motorcycle, but I mean, it's close. It's close. Like 20 to 40 minutes probably. Oh, that's the life. All right. Well, you want to, uh, well, first of all, you got to have charisma when you're presenting law stuff because honestly, you know, it is dry. Oh, it's the worst. It it can be boring. So you got to, you know, you got to boost it up. Yeah. And, and you're right. Definitely a lot of what I've seen of people talking about anything that you've talked about there, they seem very dry, either dry and analytical or super confrontational. Yeah. Like you're, yeah. Like, almost kind of yelling at you the audience like you're stupid for not knowing this stuff already and this has been very even very entertaining to the point that i haven't really felt like interrupting at all i'm just kind of going yeah thank you for Uh, that i appreciate that yeah and um and then like i mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast uh the reason also the other reason why i'm 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 non-combative and i'm very like whatever and fun and uh is because of 18 usc 11 We'll find out after a quick break. Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Which is foreign government defined, which we covered a little bit at the beginning, but I think now it's going to make a lot more sense for the people listening. I was trying to kind of stay away from it because I was like, oh, the hell do I plug this in at the beginning of one of these podcasts? But now it's going to make a lot more sense, right? The term foreign government includes any government faction or body of insurgents within a country with which the United States is at peace, irrespective of recognition by the United States. You don't need to apply. You don't need to ask for it. You just need to be at peace, especially as a national. When you're at peace and you're a national, you're actually legally classified as a foreign government. I could open up my own goddamn embassy, literally. But if I'm not at peace, this definition wouldn't apply. And this is why I'm so hardcore about definitions, 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 because when you're digging... In law, every single piece of law, every single act, like Federal Reserve Act, Bill of Exchange Act, we didn't even get into money on this, which if you guys want to keep going, we can go into that. That shit's fucking crazy. But but all these acts and all these things and all these different laws and statutes, they all start with a definition section. It's, it's literally like that's the way law is structured. You have the title. Then you have the definitions. Literally, it's like, the, it's like before they even talk about what the hell is even going on in this thing. There's always a definition section, okay? You can't get any deeper than the definition. So when you look at the definition of foreign government, and it says that it's anybody who's at peace, essentially, you, you don't even need to have any, they don't even need to know you're even there, technically. 
as long as you're at peace and, and, and you say you're at peace and you behave as though you're at peace, you can't say you're at peace and then be a dick. You have to actually be at peace for real. You are a foreign government. So I am a foreign government. And actually, 18 U.S.C. 112 classifies my apartment as, as literally like a full-blown like, like micro embassy that is actually protected by the Secret Service. 18 U.S.C. 112 uh, has to do with foreign officials, official guests, and people who are basically like foreign diplomats of foreign governments, right? It says here, whoever assaults, strikes, wounds, imprisons, or offers violence to a official guest or foreign official or internationally protected person or makes any other violent attack upon the person or liberty of such persons, if likely to endanger his person or liberty, makes a violent attack upon his official premises, that would be my home, my home is my official premises, private accommodation, it's also my private accommodation, or means of transport, such as my motorcycle or my car, or attempts to commit any of the foregoing, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both. Whoever in the commission of any such act uses a deadly or dangerous weapon or inflicts bodily injury shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. And this includes intimidating me, coercing me, threatening me, harassing me, obstructing any of the performance of my duties as a foreign official. All of these things, and, and, and you know, you'd think to yourself like, oh, well, police could do all this. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm telling you, when I get pulled over, I'm just smiling, bro. They can do whatever the fuck they want. Because by the time we get into a courtroom or maybe an appeals court, just from what I've gone over in this podcast, which is just a small fraction of what is available, uh, the police officer is in for a world of hurt. And people say, oh, no, you can't do that because the, when you sue them or when you do something to them, they, they worked in their official capacity and uh, they have uh, immunity because they, they operate in good faith. Yeah, that's only true if you sue them as Officer Bob. If you sue them in their private capacity as a private individual, they don't have those protections. I'm not saying to go around and attack cops. I'm just saying, like, You'd be okay. surprised how much power you have against these these agencies. You'd be shocked. And it's just like anything else. You know, you get to a certain level where you just flick your wrist and their their whole body rips in half and bursts into flames and you you're not really angry anymore. It's like going onto a a kindergarten recess playground and being like angry and scared of the children. You're not angry or scared of these little children. They can't do anything to you. So when you get up to a certain point when you start to understand this information, you don't you're not angry anymore because your power level is so high. You're like fucking Goku. You're like fucking uh uh ultra instinct Goku, you know what I mean? And at that point like what is there to be fucking angry about? Well, this is important stuff. Why don't you tell them everywhere they can find you? So, um my main my main website is onestupidfuck.com and <laughs> I have never told anyone on any podcast yet, but I, I just so so I do a lot of goofy, funny, weird things for my my fans and my audience and stuff like that. I, I get a kick out of it. Mm -hmm. They think it's hilarious on social media. I have a pretty big social media going on right now. And I bought I, I also have don't be a slave dot com, which is a, a book that I wrote. I wrote a couple books and I and I migrated all of my book websites that I used to have onto one stupid fuck dot com. So 
So I actually have a bunch of different URLs. Some people are like, oh, I don't want to give people onestupidfuck.com. It's dumb not to because by the time they get there, they're going to have their head blown off with a shotgun. So I don't see the point in trying to to not give them the website name of onestupidfuck.com. But I also have don'tbeaslave.com. And then <laughs> one I got recently, <laughs> one I bought recently as a joke uh, for all my fans is <laughs> my face is a chair.com. <laughs> so again a lot of this a lot of this is like it i really enjoy like the fan like going back and forth with my fans and like the it's so it's crazy my fans are batshit crazy and i love it i absolutely fucking love it well that's awesome man um i recommend that everybody at least looks into this because I know that a lot of people are probably going to say, Oh, it sounds too good to be true, but you owe it to yourself. If you're hearing this, this should be your wake up call to at the very least look up what he's brought forth tonight, go to his website, check the stuff out because you owe it to yourself. And I don't know, Ryan, you have any closing thoughts? No, no, not really. I think we covered everything I would ask. Well, uh, just to piggyback on what you just said, I uh, I have a whole uh, fan submissions page on my website, and it's just like endless amounts of just photos and emails and comments of people that are doing all sorts of different things. And it's pretty wild, you know, uh, and, and you can see on, on either my social media, mainly Facebook is the main one that I use. Cause I, most of my stuff is text, text based. I don't do a lot of like photos and stuff really. All right. Well you killed it, man. I mean, I think you're going to blow a lot of minds. We're going to get this out on Tuesday evening and I will send you a link. What kind of music do you like? I guess I'm just eccentric all the way around. Uh, my favorite band is Dance Gavin Dance. All right. I'll have to check that out. All right. So do you have any final thoughts? Ew. There's a lot of research to do. There's a lot of numbers to write down. I think there are. Mm-hmm. It's depressing that I think it's very likely that the government kind of uses trickery. Mm-hmm. to get you in some way or another. For you know, sure. I've wondered how it can be that it, it just feels like we're taxed for everything. And mm-hmm. maybe it's me having been in like the business world for a while, but like everything has fees, everything has taxes, everything is super regulated. And I mean, on the surface of it, we started the war for independence over taxation, right? Mm-hmm. It just seems so odd that we have all of these taxes for just everything now. Well, and we're also and all of these fees and all these things that the government can come back after you for. I mean, just the tax system in general, I feel like is so strange, right? I mean, I'm sure everybody out there has seen some kind of meme about it where it's, you know, well, it all the, started like, with doing, war. Yeah, but I mean, like, even just doing your taxes, it's like, the government's like, here, figure out what you owe us. 
Mm -hmm. Well, don't you know? Yeah, but you have to figure it out too. And if you're wrong, you pay more money or you go to jail. And if you're wrong in a way that lets us keep more money, we're not telling you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like I found out that one of my old employees had never filed her taxes. And she was like, am I going to get in trouble for this? And it's like, (laughs) I don't think so, but it means that you never got any money back that you should have. Like you're so young, you should have basically gotten everything back that you paid in almost. Yeah. Yeah, but now you're not. <laughs> yeah, they're I don't know, like, man. Oh, statute of limitations for us getting extra money is uh, 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think go out and research everything you can because even if not everything he said is 100% accurate, it's worth checking out. And it's worth looking into and it's worth that, you know, maybe you can save yourself a a sales tax here and there or something like that. It's worth looking into. Yeah, that's all I got. You want to tell them what they need to know? Yeah, no. Bye. (laughs) Everybody listening knows the drill, I'm sure, by now. If you like us. If you don't like us, share us with somebody. Somebody out there might might get something out of out of our constant mispronunciations and our general distrust of the establishment. But if you want to tell us something, if you want to tell us about an experience you've had as a sovereign citizen or a state national of wherever it is you happen to be from, you can do that at cryptipodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media. I won't go through all the specifics again. But you can check out our merch store, which is now up and in a fledgling state at crypticpodcaststore.com. And uh, seminal stages. Seminal stages, yeah. And uh, as we mentioned at the top, if you find any uh, any good vanity plates from Illinois, we really do want to see them. <laughs> All right. Good evening, Crypt Keepers.